0: Hello and welcome to Happy Hour on the Fringe. My name is Raina Searles and I'm the Marketing Manager at Fringe Arts. In the wake of the global coronavirus pandemic, many of us, especially those in arts organizations, have had to reflect on ways to do our work despite dramatic social disruptions. One thing Fringe Arts is excited to continue doing is connecting our artists and community partners with all of you listening through this podcast. We're diving into how artists are responding to the pandemic, the intersection between art and public health, and how community partners are working to meet the specific needs of their constituents. You can learn more about what we're doing at Fringe Arts by visiting fringearts.com backslash COVID-19. And as always, enjoy our conversations with some of the most imaginative people on this plane of existence. Today we are talking to Kayla Perez Vega with Kanye England Dancers, a Philadelphia-based dance company founded over 20 years ago. Their original work has been performed across the world and is rooted in the diverse philosophies, living traditions, and contemplative practices of Asian origin and Eastern world practices. Kayla, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Yeah, we are so excited to be chatting today. Um, and first, uh, I would love to just start off hearing a little bit more about you. Um, you are a dancer with Kanye Lynn. So, can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so, I am a dance artist here in Philadelphia. Um, I joined the company back in 2016. Um, so, I've been with the company for about four seasons now. I went to University of the Arts. So, Kind of was Philly based for school and kind of um, upon settling kind of my roots here, looking for a dance company that um, I admired and I really loved um, the work they were doing, um, the chi practices um, they've trained their dancers with. Um, So I auditioned and got in and I guess the rest is history now.
0: So you also work in marketing. And so I know you were putting in a lot of work the past few weeks because just the Friday before we're recording this Mm -hmm. um, on April 17th, uh, you made one of your archival works available to the public. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so what's great about Yongling Dancers is they really encourage their dance artists to get involved administratively. So me, yes, I'm doing marketing, but there are other dance artists who are in charge of our showcases, rehearsal directors, etc. cetera. So about a week ago, we decided to stream Santuario, which um, is a work that premiered back in um, 2017 here in Philadelphia. And just kind of giving audiences an opportunity to connect to accessing the full performance online. Um, we ended up doing kind of a one-day push, um, trying to see what kind of interest. And, you know, the feedback was overwhelming and we decided to do it for two days. So that's, that was much to our surprise, but also a lovely surprise just that the audiences really wanted to engage with that footage one day more.
0: Was there something about the piece, santuario that made you choose it over another one that you uh, might have recorded? Or are you looking at doing a series of releases?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, so one thing to note is that we did have our spring. Um, so every year we have a home season, usually in April. And our spring season was supposed to be that weekend, which is April 17th and 18th. And Santuario was one of the works we brought back um, and taught the company. So that program consisted of three works, one being of Santuario. So number one, we were looking into which of the works we wanted to kind of share with the audiences. Because we couldn't be on stage, we thought a virtual experience would be be appropriate at least for these times um, so that was one santuario is also a work that shows a lot of images of resilience of hope and we thought especially in these times that as a society um, there's a lot of unknown we thought a hopeful message would be something audiences would really grasp to.
0: Yeah, I, I had the chance to watch the live stream and I, I felt like there were so many beautiful moments in there of, of people being kind of frozen in place, but then also like these uh, jerky moments that were really kind of like, really like made you feel like the anxiety and yeah. the stress, but then all, them all kind of coming together and, and finding community, which is what I think so many people are trying to do right now. Right, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about the background of the piece? Because I, I know that there is an interesting history behind um, what the piece is based on.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, so
1: this piece, Santuario, is a response to the Pulse nightclub shootings in Orlando. So very, very dense topic. I, I think when it was first brought to the company, we were excited to put something together in response to that. Santuario in is a direct translation in Spanish for sanctuary. So for us, it was trying to share our sanctuary with those viewers. And for many people, a space like the Pulse nightclub is their safe space. So hence the title. And um, so yeah, the work kind of If you had the opportunity to watch it, it starts in kind of like a nightclub setting. So the lights are really exciting. The music is um, high tempo, something similar to what you would see at a club. Um, And then the piece progresses kind of in a linear progression of events, um, something traumatic happening. And then it kind of dives into these lovely series of duets, trios, kind of representational of you know the relationships and the people in these spaces, um, and just trying to show light and show that through a tragedy or through our differences, we're all we're all made out of the same fabric. We're all humans, so um, I think that's like the beauty at the end. When um, once again, if you saw the whole piece, um, us stripping down to kind of like our bare skin, mm-hmm. um, and that's the humanity, the hope, and the community, the unity. That we wanted to portray. So, yeah, I mean, it has a really, um, we did a lot of, as dancers, we did a lot of circles of talking, we did a lot of movement research. So, it was definitely a lovely experience as a dancer. I was in the original cast, um, so I had definitely enjoyed that process and us bringing it back this year. Um, with new, we have new dance members who learned it for the first time this year. Um, we're definitely in another um, climate right now, but it seems even at this time super re- relevant to what we need to hear right now.
0: Have you? Because uh, I know at Fringe Arts we've kind of been uh, juggling what comes next in all this, and uh, when things first started to hit the city of Philadelphia. Um, there was a lot of uncertainty about, you know, do we cancel our programming? Do we reschedule it? Are we moving things to the fall or to, you know, all the way to next year? So I'm curious how the conversations went on your end about the decision to move the performance or, and if you're looking at rescheduling it or um, like what your future plans are.
1: As everyone's dealing with the plans kind of change sometimes weekly, daily, by the hour. And initially, um, our decision to cancel the home season was kind of, you know, when we were told no gatherings more than 50. So that was kind of a tough, but a decision we had to make. Um, Early on, there were discussions of rescheduling and our hope was to reschedule the home season for later on. But I think as things progress, it's really hard. I mean, for a lot of productions, theater, arts, dance, um, to reschedule something, I guess, with the fear that you'd have to reschedule it again, right? So um, right now, it's we are just trying to take it a week at a time. And yes, our hope is to bring those works back. I mean, our dance artists worked all year on, on this program, and would love to share it. So some other conversations we're having is, what if you know, we can't share it in a capacity of a theater. Um, Maybe it is a series of smaller performances or more intimate interactions um, that might be more appropriate for the time. If we can't, you know, gather 300 people in one space, maybe do a series that it's 30 people, you know, trying to also be mindful of the guidelines that we need to follow.
0: Yeah. I know one of the conversations we've been having, especially around the Fringe Festival is both what are we doing, but then also what our audience is going to be willing to do at a certain point. Um, You know, because just because things quote unquote reopen doesn't mean that everyone is going to suddenly, I mean, some people are probably going to be ready to (laughs) run out, run outside of their houses at a certain point, but um, you know, are people going to be willing to gather and, a group of you know 30 or more people even if guidelines say that you can um and so it's it's really hard to know what the best kind of entry point is i know we're also thinking about that because you know the french festival takes place in september and so it's very much on our minds as well how we can uh present programming and if people want programming and if it needs to be virtual to really get people to engage with it um and if that will actually increase engagement because we'll have people coming from around the world who might not normally be able to travel, able to access that art online.
1: I agree. I mean, I think the beauty of social media and virtual is the accessibility beyond, you know, being physically there. Um, so it's like a give and take. And I think that's something all, or, all art organizations are exploring. It's just, you know, it it's a downer that we can't get people in one space to experience art live, which um, is beautiful in its own right. But also there is a beauty that now art through the virtual um, platforms can, you know, expand past the U S past the, you know, time zones and stuff like that. So that is also like exciting. Um, So trying to, I agree, like exploring what, is the best engagement? What do people want?
0: I mean, I, and it's one of those things we won't know until we get there. Yeah. I think it's a, I think a really great question is what do people want? Cause I feel like I, um, you know, obviously our, our office is closed and we're all working from home. And even when I'm inundated in the art world, I feel like there's so many live streams and so many mm-hmm. opportunities to engage with art that sometimes I also am feeling overwhelmed by how much people are making available. And so, you know, is our role to be creating so much art, Mm -hmm. Um, but also, you know, I'm one person. And so I'm, you know, a totally singular subset of the population Um, because I also, that there are people who are really craving that connection and that uh, ability to both create, but also view and experience art. Right. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And I think it's also,
1: um, for us, our conversation, once once again, I mentioned the spring program had three works, right? Um, We had Emptiness of Snow, Santuario, and then a premiere um, Fishing Girl. Um, So one conversation is, you know, our desire is to, you know, premiere those works um, in a stage setting, but if not available in the coming year, like, would we have a premiere online? Or what does that look like? So that's definitely, Santuario, obviously we premiered in um, 2017 and and had the pleasure of sharing that work with an audience. But how about the works that we worked so hard on? Do we premiere those virtually? Do we wait for another time? When does it feel appropriate to put that work out there?
0: I'm curious, um, with Santuario, did you find that you had... Um, people accessing the video from even outside of Philadelphia as well?
1: Yeah. So we were, um, I mean, obviously the beauty of digital is you can track um, where your audience is. And one way we decided, um, I know separate organizations are streaming through social media. Um, We decided to specifically do it through our website. Um, just to, we also were interested in seeing, um, seeing like where the traffic went and we really wanted to people, people to explore different missions of our website. Um, so yeah, we found people from all over people who've, you know, haven't connected or haven't come seen the company perform in years. And because of this opportunity, we're able to reconnect with us. Um, we also had people send us lovely messages, um, we had people generously donate towards our mission. So it definitely, um, the widespread audience was definitely evident when we went live with this performance.
0: And then uh, obviously you are a dance company, but you also have um, an educational component as well. So I'm curious, uh, during this time, um, how, are, how are you all as a company functioning? Are, are you still doing... I don't know, like Zoom rehearsals or gatherings or something like that?
1: Yeah, so I think immediately after um, this all happened, we made it a point to connect, at least with the dancers. We ended up meeting up over Zoom for a few rehearsals. Um, obviously, the rehearsals weren't towards the spring season because we did cancel it, um, but we could, we have, you know, all of this material. So what we did was we gave each other class. Um, so we either had a company member do a ballet class, a contemporary class. Um, and then we rehearsed online. Um, we did kind of, for us, it was more nostalgic. It was comforting knowing that despite we were far apart, we could still dance together. So we did a series of the those. And then to this day, the company, um, we still have offerings of class, um, which is optional for the dance artists, but it's also a wonderful way for us to connect, to stay healthy. I mean, we're dancers, we love moving. So mm-hmm. finding ways to do that together because we, spend so mu- we spent so much time together um, is really lovely. Um, so yeah, we've been doing a series of those. I think as time progresses, we do have you know, a a summer series that usually is open to the public and it's, um, usually workshops that, um, are hosted by different instructors. So eventually a conversation would have to be, you know, um, what do we want to do with that? Like if we needed to move that virtually, I know a lot of other organizations are so, Um, expanding those options outside of um, our dance artists is definitely a conversation we'll probably have to have.
0: I was also uh, looking through your website and knowing that uh, some of the practices that you work with include mindfulness and meditation. um, Is that something that uh, your work has highlighted in the past few weeks or that you all are kind of practicing more during this time?
1: Kanyang has his signature chi awareness practice, which is something as a company we exercise in rehearsals and and during his classes that he teaches. It's definitely embedded into the work and um, how we approach dance. So I think each of us um, individually as dance artists have taken practices like that at home. Chi awareness practice, you know, it's this connection of mind, breath, soul, um, of the awareness of others. And I think in these times of quarantine, when, you know, the sense of other might feel far apart, it really enables us to like look within. And at least for myself, I've reflected a lot. I've um, really tuned into my body and listened to what it needed, you know, whether it's rest, whether it's um, I needed to move that day. And um, for me, it, it's quieted things down. And I think especially in a time where, you know, the pace of life has possibly slowed down for many of us, Um, this chi awareness is kind of heightened, you know, um, I don't have the distractions and I can really focus on my own practice and everyone's practice is different. And I know the dancers, the different dance artists, each of them have a different practice, but I definitely feel the awareness super heightened, which is really lovely that despite we're not together doing it, um, we're all finding our, our little rhythms and grooves, um, apart
0: i'm I'm curious, as you talk about that, since you uh, went to school in the Philadelphia area, were you very familiar with Cuning Yanglin before you graduated, or did you kind of learn about all these practices after joining the company?
1: Yeah, so um, I think I definitely, I mean, I knew of the company when being in school, but definitely dove into what they were all about afterwards. Um, kind of when, you know, the typical dancer, we're looking for a job, we're looking where we feel we fit best. Um, So definitely learned more when I joined the company. And chi awareness practice is something we get it a lot when people see us perform. They always make comments like, wow, there's something different about you guys. Um, People often connect it to spirituality. There's something spiritual. There's something wholesome. There's a sense of community, mindfulness. But it's outside of seeing it in performance, it's a whole different experience being inside the dance space. Um, so I encourage people to really like get into, especially Ken young's class, um, because he really explains it beautifully. And it's a practice that... Um, like anything, you, you don't master it right away or ever really master it. It's, it's an ongoing process. So it's, yeah, it's just like really inter- for me, really interesting that people can kind of pinpoint it and seeing us perform, but it's a whole different experience being in it. And it's, it's a daily practice. It's especially as a dancer, um, trying to tune into your body, to your breath, um, to others, to space. Um, so It's definitely something that after graduating, I definitely tuned more into.
0: I I guess one question, knowing that KYLD is so rooted in Chinese traditions and origins, I'm curious what your connection has been to the Philadelphia Chinese and uh, broadly the Asian American community has been, especially thinking about how during this time there's a lot of discrimination and a lot of... Uh, increased challenges that people are facing right now?
1: So we have this program, our outreach program, Chi Dance, um, which is commonly right now in, um, I think, six um, schools, I think five public schools and one elementary. But then they also do a segment of Chinese programming, um, cultural programming out throughout Philadelphia. So, I mean, those are programs led by um, some other dance artists um, we have gracie and maggie and katie who are really involved in those um, and they're offered throughout the year um, it's kind of some of our dance artists who are of chinese origin um, have participated in these um, lecture demonstrations and these presentations so i feel like Kanyong does a, a really lovely job in connecting what he practices in contemporary dance and kind of uniting it with his um, Chinese background and especially with all um, the programming here and here in Philadelphia. So they definitely, um, right now I'm not familiar what's during, I guess, during this quarantine, um, what those connections are. But definitely throughout the year, they've definitely done amazing programmings with kids, an assortment of like public events, um, museum-based performances and presentations, galleries, etc. So I definitely, um, our website has more information about that, but definitely something to check into if you're interested in those cultural programs.
0: Great. And can you just uh, share with us your website and where we can find you on social media?
1: So our website is kyld.org. Um, And then our, we are on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So Kunyung Lin Dancers, um, it's with a slash. Um, You can find updates of our current programming. Um, Our website also has uh, vast information about, you know, our chi dance, our upcoming events, especially now that we're going virtual, um, but also gives you an array of things we've done in the past, Um, through our press section, you can really dive into, you know, what press has said about the company. Um, You can meet our dance artists through that page. So yeah, I'd encourage people to connect with us. And, you know, if you had any specific questions, shoot us an email, send us a message. We really love hearing and engaging with our community.
0: Thank you, Kayla, so much for joining us for this episode of Happy Hour on the Fringe. Uh, You can also find Fringe Arts on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram, and visit us at fringearts.com. To you, Kayla, and to all of our listeners at home, please stay safe, stay well, and stay positive.
1: Thank you so much for having me.